What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. strategy show lineup construction edition week four i feel like we do this show more frequently than once a week or it's just somehow friday all the time i am josh engelman i am joined by the boss man himself alex baker alex how are you doing doing good man uh nice little showdown slate last night <laughs> for the the battle for number one yeah. uh so that was fun the uh, the kickers uh made us kind of uh remember a day when we had kickers in our main slate lineups too but unfortunately no longer can we profit off brandon mcmanus's uh skill at 50 yarders how are you doing man Oh, pretty good. I uh, I touted said kickers yesterday in my <laughs> showdown videos for both DraftKings and FanDuel. So if you didn't watch those, what are you what are you missing out on here, guys? I, I told you kickers were in uh, were, were going to be good options yesterday. Turns out they absolutely were. Um, the rest of that game not exactly uh, a fun one. So I was thinking about this while I was uh, right before I fell asleep because that's when all of the most random stuff pops into my head. We give, what, three points for a 30 to 39 yarder, four for 40 to 49, five points, 50 plus, right? Yep. Why don't they just give out the, a tenth of a point per yard? They do on uh, FFPC. Okay. It's one of the season-long sides, so it's not crazy. I think it's just like um, the sides tried to take the format from season-long and just copy-paste it in the daily, and that's really how we got the format today. I'm surprised that it wasn't the four. Like, I never thought about it playing season long for 15 years or whatever before I stopped doing that. Uh, it never even crossed my mind. But if you kick a 34-yard field goal, it should just be 3.4. Like, there's, <laughs> it's, it's it's right there. It's easy. It's not at all like a more complicated calculation. And it makes perfect sense. If somebody bangs like a 59-yarder and you get 5.9, that's a crazy <laughs> kick. I just don't know. What, what would you do for extra points? One point or you get all of the yardage for the extra point as well? That's a good point. Yeah, like the extra point being another five yards or whatever would have yeah. made a big difference. It would have, it would have been an interesting swing. Um, but you guys aren't here for that. You're here to talk a little bit more of the in-depth for potentially week four and a little bit of a look back at week three. So I had somewhere that I was hoping we could start, and I have it pulled up on the screen right now. Uh, yesterday, we had a bit of an announcement. Um, new hire for Osmo.com. Uh, Steve Buzzard, a.k.a. DeColtz, is now a part of the Osimo.com family. Happy to have him. Uh, very, very high-level player. Um, very analytically based. We're going to get some good content out of Steve uh, in the near future. Really excited about that. I did not know that was happening. Uh, that that <laughs> popped up into our internal Slack um, without me having any idea, which was honestly really exciting to see. I have Steve's... Uh, exposures for the slant from last week pulled up <laughs> awesome that'll be fun to look at yeah steve is uh he's a great dfs mine and, and a great success story i mean he he was uh grinding at his uh finance job 
doing pretty well, but then he uh, he made like so much money playing NFL DFS that he's like, I can't afford to, to not be <laughs> devoting all my time to this. So more than that, he's even, I mean, more than that, he's a great guy. I've met him a bunch of times at all the live events and I'm really excited that he's going to be uh, working with us. Yeah, if you can have some sort of like high end level desk job, some something, I believe he's an accountant. If you can, if you have that sort of skill set, you can afford to put like so, quote unquote real life on hold for a couple of years, grind out as much of the edge that you think exists, and then there's nothing to stop you from going back to being an accountant. You know, a couple of years later, <laughs> if this becomes, if you know, if like the the level of talent rises and makes it a bit tougher of a grind, you just go back to being a normal person having a normal job unlike us who just grind through sports every day definitely yeah i mean that's the dream is i know a lot of people watching probably like fantasize about just going full-time in fantasy so um it is possible it it is hard work (laughs) and it sucks when you put a lot of effort in and then you lose money uh for a long time but i mean not having to uh deal with all the the nine to five stuff that that makes it worth it yeah it it always helps and i never really understood it until uh, i started here um i didn't realize what work could be like when you like work like my previous jobs i hated i didn't care how the work turned out it didn't matter to me at all and i brought that sort of energy to it now i like everything that i'm doing so i don't mind throwing infinite amounts of time at uh dfs because I would probably be doing it anyway. I was certainly doing it at my desk job. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. When I saw that you guys were that awesome.com was hiring, I wrote my email at my desk at work. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were like the first guy that emailed us. I, I saw it pop up and I had emailed you guys a resume and a fairly long explanation. Uh, within the first hour, I saw the post. Um, I did not mention that I like won a GPP or anything, which is like rule number one for <laughs> trying to apply. Don't let us know how good you are at DFS. That, that's <laughs> ultimately not all that important unless you're like, hey, I'm 11th in super heavyweight or something along those lines, <laughs> at which point we already know you too. Well, um, I mean, uh, we make sure everyone is good uh, get a DFS before we bring them on. For yeah. you, I mean, you had so much content already published on Reddit um that is easy to kind of go back and, and see what your style is like yeah dad put yourself a pro uh, get yourself a portfolio of something so that you can let people know what you actually bring to the table neither here nor there what i've got up is is steve's exposure so again decults you can see it on the top of the screen and the first thing that i did was bucket this by stack sizes and again this is the the nine dollar slant from last week i think that's the best sort of tournament to look at that everybody's you don't have to play with like a very weird strategy. It's not like the Millie where there's a gajillion entry, 65,000, still a lot, but I think this is the best balance for a contest on DraftKings. 18 of his 150 lineups were a five man stack. That was uh, two wide outs plus two people coming back. 98 of 150 four man stacks, every single one of them bringing at least one, if not two people back. So we're seeing a very, very specific strategy here large game stacks, which um, we have mentioned on past versions of this show. Stacking is good. Yeah, I mean, um, the first thing I notice is that, I mean, he's utilizing a lot of different strategies. 
and uh, that to me indicates that he, he's doing a lot of different lineups when he's trying to, to build yep. a lot of different settings on Fantasy Cruncher. And um, as you see, like he came up with a really diverse portfolio of different options. Most of them were pretty heavily stacked where uh, about three-fifths of his lineups were in this four-stack category. Yeah which is a uh, high level stacking, but he still had some that had two players and, and three players and five players. So he really, uh, it, it's pretty clear that he's doing something pretty advanced to try to figure out which lineups are the best between these. Yeah. And another thing that I wanted to point out. So again, 18 lineups were the five man stack QB two wide, two pass catchers, and then two people coming back. It's not as if that was just concentrated either. Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Trubisky, Bridgewater, Tannehill, Stafford, Newton, all of those guys showing up as different potential game stacks. This is not just one team getting jammed in with all of the combinations. That is full game stacks of multiple options. And we see the same sort of scenario here uh, in the four-man stacks. Lot of cross-section of multiple games. Herbert, Ryan, Wentz, uh, we're back to Trubisky, Tannehill, uh, like, he's he's really spreading himself across different levels of game stacks this is not all that concentrated and if we look back to just the general overview of lineups steve played 111 no 112 wow how do i not how am i not able to read numbers 112 players unique players in his lineups and that leads me to the second question that I have. And I think this is one that will be uh, really important, that more so than just uh, the review itself. Something that I noticed, and it's something that I've actually wanted to get your thoughts on for a while. Now I've switched over the view to the player exposure. So you guys can see, this is all from week three, by the way. You can see all of the players, ownership. Uh, you can see Steve's exposures out on the right-hand side. What are your thoughts on the types of guys at the bottom of your exposures. Steve played a pretty high amount of 0.7% guys, which means that they are in one of 150 lineups. So we're talking I mean, probably like 15 or so right here. Another similar chunk of guys in just two lineups. Do you pay attention to the bottom of your crunches, the bottom of your exposures? Do you try to avoid situations where you only have large amounts of single bullets of people? Well, I think I take it one lineup at a time, so I'm not really worried about the individual exposures a ton, but at the same time, it's so difficult to predict who's going to be putting up a winning score on a week of NFL that like, usually the same players don't um, have such a high percent chance of being in the best lineup that is worth really going all in on. So I think that's how it happens. Is just like There's a lot of players that kind of are of similar value and since there's so many that you end up getting a lot of lineups with just one guy that that kind of seems like uh, a deep flyer yeah that that makes a ton of sense to me um it's always been something that i've been curious about and i think the first thing that you said uh, is a very good point for it in that it's it's more important on an individual basis like if you're ending up with Steven Sims, for example, for the Redskins, he's in one lineup. If that's a random lineup, you probably don't want Steven Sims in one lineup. 
if Steven Sims is showing up in one lineup because he is the second pass catcher coming back in a game stack, his spot in that lineup is different than if he were just a one-off. And that would be the spot where I would try to be avoiding it. The single lineup on a literal random, like Steven Sims' odds of being in the top lineup heading into the slate, at best, 1%. So I wouldn't want a bunch of random guys unattached to stacks in my lineups. But if they're coming along with the quarterback or on the opposite side, then that's how I think you end up getting a lot of individuals like this because you're trying to pick up guys that you might not necessarily have. And we saw from Steve's exposures, he's stacking pretty aggressively. So these individual bullets that he's playing are likely coming as parts of giant game stacks, either as part with the quarterback or on the opposite side of the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, if you game stack, that's going to force players uh, that you might not consider into your lineups uh, a decent amount. So as you're saying, like a Steven Sims, who's not going to pop when you optimize because he's probably averaging about 30 to 40 yards a game. Yeah. If you uh, require that, you know, you are you have one opposing player when you stack the Washington football team's opponent, you're going to end up with some Steven Sims just – the way it works so uh that that's definitely interesting like strategic consideration because that can be an advantage and a disadvantage because although steven sims ownership might be low in the general field in game stacks it's going to be a lot higher so that's definitely something i'm considering too where like you can't just look at the ownership of each player individually you got to look at what is the ownership of player combinations and stacking really affects that yeah, and another uh, piece that I think we touched on in either like week one or week two, um, when that lineup shows up, when you're getting the the Steven Sims of the world, the Darnell Moonies for uh, the Bears, when they're showing up in these lineups, those lineups are probably not projecting as well as your top lineups. If you don't have a mechanism in place to deal with um, the, the types of lineups being created in a heavy stack situation, you're going to find you get a lot of the same sort of lineups when in all actuality, taking the step back from a fantasy point perspective is ideal. You've talked a lot about correlations. When you have lineups with four or five people from the same game, that is, you are going to have a very different expected fantasy point outcome than if you ran an unencumbered, no stack whatsoever crunch. Your optimal is going to be massively higher from a fantasy points perspective. So make sure if you are running those sorts of stacks, you need to know how to account for that information in your post-processing after Fantasy Cruncher or in Fantasy Cruncher at that point. Is there anything that you do that you could like... I don't know how to lead you to this question because I know there's only so much we can talk about for it. Um, is there anything specific you pay attention to with regards to lineups that you have heavy stacks in compared to lineups that would have less stacking in it from a either projection standpoint, ownership standpoint, or is it just mostly an individual lineup basis? Well, I think uh, one of the important things is like not all stacks are created equal. Yeah. Like if you add up... Terry McLaurin uh, and Steven Sims, like you're getting about the same correlation as just picking Michael Thomas, like individually. Yeah. So like, that's always a consideration where like, um, 
you're trying to maximize the correlation and if you uh if you have one stud receiver like a Devontae Adams as well, like you might not need to stack as heavily. It's a really good point. It's a really good point. Guys, I hope you're listening to this show every week. The people that are hearing me say that, um, you guys already know, but we're giving the goods on this bad boy. 265 people in here right now, 58 likes. That is not going to cut it. Um, I get fired if that number doesn't go over 100. So if you guys could hit that thumbs up, I'd like to keep my job. I've got a wife and two dogs to take care of. So uh, money is important. So if we don't get those likes, I I can't feed my family. (laughs) <laughs> well i'll have to click the thumbs up button for you here i appreciate that i appreciate it right now you're you're over here clicking thumbs down being like oh if we found out how to get rid of them <laughs> <laughs> so i wanted to transition one to one other item um uh, that is not uh, relevant to steve's exposures before we get into doing a build for this week and it's something that we haven't talked about at all um after the fact, we have built cash lineups on the show uh, in the first couple of weeks. What I want to do is look at sort of the way that cash lineups show up. And for right now, I pulled up the $25 double up from DraftKings, 8,000 entries, and it's single entry, which I think is a really nice cross section of trying to figure out um, optimal ways to play cash games. Now at the top, we see Miles Sanders in 80% of lineups. We see Kyler Murray in 60% of the lineups. But what really stood out to me was just the absolute wealth of guys that are owned 10 times or less over the course of the 8,000 lineups. I wanted to get your thoughts on, is is that a sign that cash is oddly softer than it should be are people playing cash games in an incredibly inefficient manner how many like would it stand out to you if you had multiple guys in a cash lineup at let's say sub one percent ownership do you care at all or is this just strictly um i'm going to be right around my optimal lineup what do you think people are doing to build these cash lineups to have such excessive exposure to guys that are just simply not owned in cash. Yeah. I'm a little bit, uh, confused about what we're talking about here. Is this the cash ownership or the GP? This is the cash. This is the cash ownership. So what is on the screen right now is the $25 double up single entry contest. And there are an infinite amount of guys that are owned, let's say 20 times Uh, or less out of 8,000. And I, that feels incorrect to me. Well, I think we, we don't really ever talk about cash. What's happening is people are just taking their GPP lineups and clicking the add entry button on the cash game. Probably, I think not everyone is really thinking about is this cash? Is this GPP? They're just building their lineup for the week, entering a bunch of contests, and that's how we're going to see a lot of random dudes pop up. But uh, a lot of people are are looking at the same sources. Uh, for information, like most people who play DFS aren't completely originating their own lineups. They're, they're reviewing experts like our site, um, taking a lot of advice. It's, it's probably the easiest way to play DFS. And that's why we see like a lot of people having similar lineups. But uh, the reason why people might have off-the-wall lineups is just because they didn't understand the format or what they're entering. Is that... <laughs> Like it, 
Should people be paying more attention to that? I mean, obviously, the, in the in general, the answer, I think, is yes. This just makes me feel like there is a gap in quality in cash games. Am I crazy? Well, like, the single entry ones are good. The the ones where they allow 3% entries for pros, so like those are probably some of the toughest contests in DFS. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. These single, like I look at the single entry ownership and I see, you know, Tyler Croft in six lineups and even like Adrian Peterson in eight. Um, you know, I, I don't know how some of these guys get into cash lineups. It almost makes me feel like we don't talk about cash enough. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the, the thing about cash is it's just like not as interesting strategically, but we we talk about all the players, so I think that we know the best plays and stuff. So that's what what it, all cash is. I almost think that it is interesting from uh, like a conceptual standpoint because I'm getting the vibe that the general public is doing it wrong, and I think that's the biggest gap we have to like try to correct. I don't. I was. I was really thrown. I did not expect so much ownership to guys owned minimally in this contest. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely make money in cash, and one of the easiest ways is head to heads, because if you're playing against weak competition, you can block a lot of the stronger players. If you're only playing against bad players, that means 100% of your opponents aren't very good. And like you can get an ROI of ten percent or higher, uh, just plugging in the projections on the site that I'm posting and optimizing the best lineup. In fact, like if you just want quick action and treat DFS more like just uh, a quick, quick endeavor instead of really trying to build a complex strategy, cash could be the best option uh, to just get a good sweat. And if you optimize my projections, you'll be in good shape. Final question uh, with regards to cash. How much are you going to pay attention to any individual player's ownership in a cash lineup? I mean, I think that if you're pivoting off really high-owned players, that can definitely come back to bite you. So if it's close between a high-owned player and a low-owned player that you think is about the same value, I'd probably choose a higher-owned player in cash just because uh, there's less ways for you to lose. There we go. That's sort of where I was going with this. It just seems like there's a large group of people that need to make one to two swaps the moment they generate their cash lineup to make it more of a cash lineup without really sacrificing anything and likely making it better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. You just play like the best plays of the week. Most people like have a pretty strong consensus on that. By the way, I just noticed your t-shirt, man. That's pretty, pretty stylish. Got a red. Got, got I've got two of them. I've got two of them. Thank you to yeah, Addy for that. Yeah. I, uh, when they came out, I was like, I would love one of those shirts. And I was immediately, um, Allie reached out and said, what's your address? Nice. I ended up with uh, two FC shirts. So just in case I wear a hole through one of them, I got a backup. <laughs> nice. It's, a, it's really comfortable. It's like super soft. I love it. You should really get yourself one. I got some of the the regular ones, but I'm gonna have to check out that that special edition. Right. <laughs> highly recommended. Highly recommended.
All right, guys, hit that like button. I'm asking again. We're up to 114. Uh, I just got a note uh, from Tom on the back end. I'm actually fired if it doesn't get to 200, so that's a problem. <laughs> um, I think we should build a lineup. I think we're at about that spot. So my question to you is this. What do you want to build for today? FanDuel, DraftKings, Cash, GPP. The floor is yours, boss. What kind of lineup should we build today? Well, last week we focused on FanDuel, so let's do DraftKings this time. You want to uh, DraftKings GP. GPP? That'll work. All right. I'm about to update the top stacks, and as soon as this ownership ends up uh, finishing, so we can use that to, to help us. Outstanding. All right, so I'm pulling up our lineup builder tool. Um, this is, if you are someone playing a relatively small amount of lineups, not that you couldn't do this for 150, it's just going to take you a while, but if you're playing in a, a you're playing one lineup or a three max or five max, our lineup builder is the tool made for you. It has everything in one spot. Quickly add your lineups together, salary, ownership, projections, lets you know if you have got a good valued lineup, a contrarian lineup. You could export straight out of lineup builder to a CSV if you need to. It's the spot, guys. It's the spot. So I've got DraftKings pulled up. I've got us filtered to the main slate. I'm also going to pull up our top stacks tool and uh, patiently await your top stacks update. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, that's going to get us reason, started. Okay. Yeah, it'll be done in like one minute, I think. Okay, that's fine. But, that's fine. Uh, the last one. Oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Um, The last update should be pretty good. I just have to remove this Pittsburgh game. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about the fact that um, we lost a game. Yeah, that that never happens, right? Like, uh, it actually like broke some of our programs uh, to do the ownership, <laughs> and we had to scramble because I, I don't think a postponement in NFL has happened um, since I started playing. Now, I, I I can't think of it. I guess if it was if it ended up running on Monday or Tuesday, we would have been fine. But now that it's just fully off into the future, yeah. kind of wild. Where do you want to start? I'm gonna. The floor is yours for this one. If you're looking at your uh, top stack tool, and right now I am doing that. Um, let's see. Did we? Get, did, are we through yet? I'm Dallas was it. the top stack odds, or did have the highest top stack odds by quite a bit, actually. Uh, big separation over the next closest team. Stands to reason we would start there, but I'm curious to get your thoughts because I also see. Uh, a Seattle stack with minimal ownership on Russell Wilson as a potential option as well. All right, hot off the presses, we got the update. Yeah, both of those are solid. The one thing I'd say is, man, they priced up Dak and Russell Wilson this week. Yeah, Russell Wilson is the most expensive quarterback except for Omar Jackson. So you're really paying an arm and a leg. In general, that's not really a great strategy in fantasy, but maybe that drives down the ownership. Um, but, man, he's been lights out. I actually kind of like the New Orleans stack the best this week okay? because I feel like uh, Drew Brees is really, really cheap. And then one of my favorite fantasy plays this week is Michael Thomas. So I'm like, if I'm playing Michael Thomas, I got to get Brees in some lineups. So, yeah, I uh... – 
whether or not Michael Thomas is on the field um, this week, up in the air for right now, but I'm treating him like he is, in fact, in. We will know that by Sunday. Uh, I ran some of my data earlier today, and boy, oh boy, did Michael Thomas <laughs> climb to the top of said data. That price looked really good. I'm happy to start with a Saint stack if that works for you. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's go ahead and just immediately get Drew Brees in, and then I'm going to immediately put Michael Thomas in as well. My next question for you is a very Saints-specific question. Do you, and I'm almost positive I know the answer, other than ignoring salary, do you have an aversion to also having Alvin Kamara in a lineup for this type of stack? Kamara, clearly a a bit of a pass catcher. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I I don't think Kamara's going to get quite as much action as he did with uh, Michael Thomas out where he got 14 targets and nine targets. Yeah. But he's still good. It's just that they're both so expensive that it's really going to hamper our, our lineup. Plus I don't know if Detroit's really good enough to support like 30 plus from both of them. Yeah. Uh, as far as like new Orleans having to continue pushing the uh, score up. So I'd probably just leave it with Michael Thomas. Maybe if Jared cook or uh, Manny Sanders fits the build, we can throw them in. Okay. You wouldn't have an aversion to Kamara being paired with Breeze, though, correct? Like, ignoring, like, the specifics of the team, Kamara as a... Does he do enough as a running back for you to to be stacked with Drew Breeze? I don't love it. I mean, I think that uh, you're... The correlation is definitely not as strong. You're talking about, like, 45 yards versus 90-plus for Thomas, so... It's about the same correlation as if you pick like Emmanuel Sanders with Breeze or something. Okay. But I mean, Kamara's a great player, so I'm not ruling it out completely. Okay. Good to know. Do you want to go to a second Saints pass catcher here, whether that is Manny Sanders, Traquan Smith, Jared Cook, or is this just Breeze and Thomas? And then we think about, uh, you know, a Galladay or Marvin Jones on the opposite side. Yeah, I, I think we should consider it. So Traquan Smith at 5K, I mean, that is, uh, like, way too high. Uh, I mean, they price these guys as if Michael Thomas was going to be out. Yeah. Jared Cook's 5.4K, so they're just not cost-efficient, and we don't really need them in the first place. So i probably just leave it at Michael Thomas. Okay. Do you like an option coming back for the Lions? 24... Yeah. 0.875 uh implied total is not all that shabby they're not the saints aren't monstrous favorites luckily um, because the game is in detroit for sure yeah i mean detroit's offense has been pretty solid this year and now they have galladay back full strength so i think it's the same situation where galladay being back is going to reduce the production of, of marvin jones and, and uh tj hackinson and both of them are pretty expensive so i'd probably go with galladay i was hoping you would say that because i thought that he looked pretty good so galladay in breeze in michael thomas in that allows us to just simply start grabbing other people which means i need to pull up the big board (laughs) nice um if i were the big there it is i was like if i were the big board where would i be (laughs) i got you so we need some value guys it looks like because these guys we got were pretty expensive well depending on what you think of the value price tag it looks like we've got a little bit of value in the top spot of the big board david johnson the highest ranked player on your big board 5600 um 
is David Johnson someone we just need to immediately put into this lineup? I think so, yeah. I mean, Duke Johnson's back this week, so I have to update for that. I didn't know if he was going to play. But uh, David Johnson, he's been getting a ton of work. The matchup versus Minnesota, they're kind of notable for how weak their defense has been so far this season. So I think David Johnson makes a ton of sense. All righty. That leaves us $25,000 total um, to fill out running back, wide out, tight end flex, and a defense that will be largely random to us in the end. Um, So now if we really are looking to save that money, AKA the Lil Dicky song, first guy that stands out to me that is at least cheaper than David Johnson also from Houston, Brandon Cooks, 4,500, ranks 18th on your big board, 74 overall rating. I'm guessing we don't want to go to the David Johnson and Brandon Cooks combination for this particular lineup, but I at least want to get your thoughts. Or do you see someone lower than that? You know, uh, a Greg Ward, uh, a Demir Bird. Where do you want to go with our next spot if you're looking for value in particular? Yeah, I think uh, Brandon Cooks stands out as a good play this week, but as you're saying, I don't necessarily want to load up on, on one team if I don't have the quarterback. So that's a knock against them. Sure. And the uh, the low range looks really hard to find anyone. So Nikhil Harry stands out. I, I kind of, uh, I'm wondering if he's going to be popular because he's kind of like, he, he hasn't been doing very good at all. So No, no he hasn't. And he has been uh, highly exposed in the Josh Engelman labs, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So that that's an option. Uh, T. Higgins at 4.5K. He played the most snaps of anyone on Cincinnati. He's going to be a popular play this week, I think. Um, Curtis Samuel, 4.8K. I kind of like that because I feel like with, uh, with Christian McCaffrey out, he's been running the ball a decent amount. And that that makes him a, a good value. So I don't know who are you looking at uh, at wide receiver this week. I, I like the Curtis Samuel call quite a bit. Um, I do have a mild apprehension to Nikhil Harry, although I fully expect he will be in a large majority <laughs> of my lineups once again. Uh, especially because in a matchup against Kansas City, you assume that the Patriots are going to need to try to keep up. Um, should be a benefit to Nikhil Harry at the very least. I just don't want to recommend him because he stung me so so much <laughs> last week. I had you know I had a, an upper upper one percent type lineup um, that just got sunk by Nikhil Harry and that one st- and he was in you know thirty percent more of my lineup so that didn't help either. Probably a little bit too much Nikhil Harry ultimately. I, that's I, the lesson I learned. I got one for you here, Ty Hilton. <laughs> so I mean he's been doing terribly, seven point eight fantasy points per game, but. They're in a tough matchup for Chicago, so the game script shouldn't be bad. They're a favorite by a little bit. Yeah. But more importantly, Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman are both out, and their wide receiver depth is getting really shaky. So that just further solidifies Hilton's spot, and uh, I think he's he's a good play that maybe people will also be averse to. I'm in. 5,300, not picking up any ownership. Uh Maybe Nano will yell at him again and you know, <laughs> get it together. So I'm going to slot T.Y. Hilton in, um, which means we need another running back, a tight end, and a flex. I'm looking at the running back spot right now. And given we don't have Curtis Samuel in there yet, 
Um, $5,700 Mike Davis standing out a little bit. Um, if we're trying to keep salaries down, otherwise I think we're going to have to take an even bigger step backwards. Maybe miles Gaskin. Uh, after that, it starts to get pretty ugly. We're down in like the Ronald Jones territory. I, I think Gaskin might actually have to be the guy we're looking for. If we're trying to save any additional salary. And yeah, the, the value running backs are expensive these days. So that that definitely makes it hard to to pick out a guy that to really love. Um, Miles Gaskin is kind of a nice value. Um, it's not exciting, yeah. is it? <laughs> I think maybe let's put it in our defense, and we can kind of see how much money we got. That's a that's a really good idea. So if I sort your big board for defenses, who's the cheapest one that looks decent? That the J E T S Jets Jets Jets. That one doesn't count. That game <laughs> happened already, and yes. they did score a touchdown. Correct? They got a good score. It was like twelve points or something. So yeah. even though they gave up thirty-seven, they yeah. still produce. Um. Bucks probably a little bit more expensive than what we're looking for. So Packers and Eagles, mm-hmm. 2,900, 2,600. It's looking, are we, are we going Philly against uh, the Niners? Um, That definitely looks good with Nick Mullins, uh, QB. I like that. Okay. So let's go ahead and slot in the Philly defense. I hope they're a part of this slate. No, no, they're, they're, they're the Sunday night, I think. Yep, they are. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about? I think this is a very good note for us that we need to add the filter to the big board uh, that <laughs> yeah. has the game on it or the time at least. <laughs> okay. So one I'm kind of identifying at this low range is uh, Cincinnati versus Jacksonville. I guess uh, okay. Jacksonville. Gardner Minshew doesn't throw a ton of picks, but they are a decent favorite, I believe. So I think that. Uh, that's like the cheapest one that all the defenses are pretty expensive and that's a good matchup. So I'd I'd probably go with them. So uh, I I think I know what you're going to say and it probably doesn't matter because the separation isn't all that high. We have the pack, you have the Packers um, same salary significantly higher on the big board, but in all actuality, the Packers are 111th and every other defense basically is you know, the same ranking, 129th. So is, is it ultimately so, just like it doesn't matter? Well, they're not on the slate. Oh, yeah. That'll also do it. Also <laughs> do it. Yeah. Is that the Monday night game? I think so. That's actually a kind of... Well, it could have been a fun Monday night game if Jimmy G were healthy, but... All right, so Bengals are in. Running back, tight end, flex. $5,600 average salary. All right, I think we can get in a decent running back here. Uh, one man, I feel like Kenyon Drake every single week <laughs> is the chalk and he just keeps doing terribly. I mean, <laughs> do you think it's worth going back to the wild one last time here? So, uh, Laffy and Adam and I had a little bit of a conversation about Kenyon Drake on Monday uh, on our recap show. And he has not really been involved in the passing game at all for the Cardinals. If he's not picking up the targets, I think it's really difficult to want to go to a running back uh, that isn't going to be involved in the passing game. You're basically saying that in order to win a GPP with Kenyon Drake, he's got to score two touchdowns. And now I know that's not necessarily like that's pretty much how everybody has to look for this. 
but he's not getting buoyed at all by, you know, six catches for 40 yards and picking up an additional 10 points. I, I'm finding him to be really problematic if they're not going to be throwing to him. Well, he's been out there on routes. He's run routes on almost half of snaps so far this season. He just hasn't been targeted a lot over those three games, only five times. So I expect that to come up a good amount. I mean, it's not great because Kyler Murray is a pretty mobile quarterback and that hurts the the running back catches. And the red zone. Yeah. Um, So it's not ideal, but it's just like the the matchup versus Carolina, their defense is is pretty bad. And uh, just the volume he's getting. I think he's a good bounce back candidate. Oh, I'm gonna have him. So uh, I'm not. Trying to, I'm not trying to say it in any other way other than uh, I was looking for you to agree with me so that I wouldn't feel as bad trying to get away from him. But I will have him much like I did last week as one of my nice. most exposed running backs. Tight end and flex, fifty four hundred dollar average. I think it's probably easiest to look at this from a tight end perspective. So Darren Waller, in my opinion, is the clear top option at tight end. Uh, whether you're like in any sort of form or fashion, but relative to salary, I don't think it gets much better than that. That would leave us 5k. No, 5,600. Yeah. 5,600 for a wide out. So it's either we go to Waller or we take that step back to Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, Chris Herndon, and really give us the opportunity to have basically anybody at the flex. So is Waller, high enough over the rest of the tight end field that you want to slot him in or do we want to just take the savings well i definitely like waller this week he's been getting targeted a ton i think that uh rugs and edwards are still out this week um so i think he really stands out as the best overall play we got hilton in there we got drake i feel like maybe we're off the board enough that we can go with the chalk and get waller $5,600 remaining at the flex spot. I'm going to sort your big board to find out who the top $5,600 option is. We already have David Johnson in the lineup. Darren Waller would be two. Zach Ertz, $5,300 is the third highest ranked guy on your big board that is not in our lineup. Are we going two tight ends? Do you have an aversion to that? He's not on the slate. So oh, I'm tired of naming these people. Sorry about that. You're good. Uh, DJ Moore, uh, he's probably my top option with 5,600. Uh, I don't love it because I think he's going to be incredibly popular this week, but uh, a tremendous play. Well, let's slot him in there. That spends all of our salary. And maybe next time I won't name more teams that aren't on the <laughs> slate. You just don't uh, think about it when you're like, in the whole slate, you know, <laughs> uh, where so a little weakness of that tool. Maybe I'll have that in that filter. Where in the world is DJ Moore and why am I not catching it up oh, right at the top? Okay. So we spent every dollar 153.37 for the projection value ranking greater than 90% contrarian ranking less than 10. I think we might need to make a pivot. I think DJ Moore's got to go. Okay. Yeah. That uh, let's, let's pivot then. Cause I hate to see that 10, 10% contrary in ranking. Do we move, do we get off of DJ Moore or do we get off of Darren Waller? Um, let's go to the ownership. So 
they did that. I mean, both of them really stand out. Ellis Gray plays this week, so they're both pretty high on. Darren Waller, 24%. DJ Moore, 20%. Um, one guy. Um, okay. So maybe we can take DJ uh, Darren Waller out. We'll try to find a tight end that's cheaper, and then we can spend up for DJ Moore and get someone else. All right, so Waller out leads me to believe that we're going to hunter henry or evan ingram slate be damned whichever one of those guys actually plays <laughs> on sunday's main slate well one of the one of the guys at value i like is jordan akins okay we do have david johnson but because this guy's 3300 3, i wouldn't worry about that but he's been out there on the field 80 percent of the time which is a very high mark for a tight end and he's really the cheapest guy that, that has any potential like that. So he's been targeted 12 times so far this season. Not great, but it, it's not bad either. Aikens in, which means that we have $1,900 to spare fully. What is the spot that we make our update or our upgrade? Um, you know, we have Michael Thomas, Kenny Galladay, DJ Moore. Doesn't feel like one of those three guys should be leaving this lineup. David Johnson, Kenyon Drake, not I don't really know what our natural spot for an upgrade here is. We can get to 7,200 if we get rid of T.Y. Hilton. I don't know if that really opens us up for anything specific. I think if we if we flip DJ Moore into someone else, then we will really up our contrarian ranking. So we can see how that rates out with the lineup builder. We'd have uh, Austin Eckler, Tyreek Hill, um those would be the contrarian options and then chalk would be uh tyler lockett or dk metcalf or josh jacobs Ooh. um i mean jacobs is the highest ranked guy we don't have waller anymore so i'd be fine going to a raider if we put Josh Jacobs into the flex, we still have $700 that we can make a change. We can upgrade off the Bengals defense if we need to. Um, I don't know if that's how we want to spend our $700 or not. What kind of uh, ranking are we getting when we put Jacobs in there? Uh, unfortunately, no, uh, nothing better. Um, value ranking greater than 90, contrarian ranking less than okay. 10. Josh let's, Jacobs, let's, 19% owned. So Let's throw in Eckler. He's projected for really low ownership. Um, I mean, he's... He's not a great play, but uh, Tampa Bay, they're, they're weak versus the pass. So like you got to think that maybe the game plan would involve Eckler catching more passes. Value ranking has come down a bit. We are yeah. 50 to 60%. However, contrarian <laughs> ranking, 80 to 90%. <laughs> and we have $400 left over. If we wanted to make an upgrade somewhere, we could kind of bump someone if need be, but... I think we're, we're we landed on the goods. Yeah, that's solid. I mean, there's probably tweaks we can make to improve those numbers even more, but I think it's uh, that's a solid lineup. I have one potential tweak that I want to see if I can make right now. I don't know if it's going to make us too not chalky. Ty Hilton is fifty three hundred. If I remove Ty Hilton and instead slot in DJ Moore, we have a hundred dollars left over. The value ranking seventy to eighty percent, contrarian ranking forty to fifty. Yeah, that, uh, that is kind of in line with what I would expect. So, I mean, 
DJ Moore is a better play. T.Y. Hilton is a contrarian play. So it's all a matter of preference. Like we're not actually like entering any of these lineups anyway. So it's like, <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, we're, we're building these for everyone to <laughs> enter and for us to enter as our primary lineups. This is going in your main single entry, right? About thousand dollar single entry contest. This is what T.Y. We're doing. Hilton in the twenty five dollar cash. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, he's gonna be there like eight times, and I don't understand it at all. Yeah um yeah i think it's just whatever is your cup of tea is the way you should go i mean there's other pivots we can make as well to to tweak these numbers but overall like we got a stack that it may be uh depressed ownership because michael thomas is coming off this injury hopefully he plays he's been practicing but uh then uh that kind of allows us to get in some really strong players without getting too uh chalky I like it. I like it a lot. And we have, um, you know, we've got like the, we've got the normal stack, you know, Breeze, Michael Thomas feels like a really nice combination to have. You're never going to be like, oh no, those guys, Michael Thomas <laughs> isn't getting targets. Like if he's on the field, he's, he's a giant benefactor for this and certainly going to make uh, old noodle arm Drew Breeze look a little bit better. He might be yeah. washed. He might be washed. It might be James well, season. He's not great, but, uh, he can get the ball to, to Kamara and Michael Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, washed from like, a, you know, from the Saints perspective, DFS on any given week, not the same scenario. Yeah. yeah I feel like Drew Brees has won people a million dollars more than anyone. Well, he's certainly taken it um, from all the people that invested in herbal life or whatever that nonsense <laughs> pyramid scheme he was a part of. I can't remember what the actual company is. Neither here nor there. I like this lineup that we put together. And I think the, the really important thing, once we got towards the end of it and just making like little swaps, you can get a lineup like this built and then immediately start making sort of 2v2 pivots off of that lineup that you have and get a different lineup, but just come at everything from a very, from a different way. So like maybe you really are huge on the Drew Brees, Michael Thomas combo. There are a lot of pieces that you could rotate around Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Kenny Galladay, if that is what you really like. Like Even just simply like I mentioned, uh, switching from T.Y. Hilton to D.J. Moore, you'll be a lot less contrarian, a little bit more value. Everything's going to look great there. You can clearly swap out many defenses. I mean, that's not really like a piece that I'd be too worried about, but it, it gives you a really easy blueprint to get a lineup built and then just start a new lineup. Ooh, it would be interesting if we had like a copy previous button where then I could just bring that lineup over and start working through making 2v2s and 3v3s. Because if we're not in Fantasy Cruncher, uh, what Fantasy Cruncher would be doing is you would set your uniques to three and then you would know you would be getting three unique changes to your lineup at the very least. Here, uh, it's going to be a more manual process because you're building these lineups by hand, but... Um, it opens up the case where you can just quickly uncheck two boxes, swap in two new people. Uncheck two boxes, swap in two new people. It's a great tool. The kudos to the the people that put this one together. That would be us. Yeah, I mean, not me personally. I didn't do anything. It's underrated because, like, a lot of times, like we're we're MME players, so we're approaching the slate to try to build a lot of lineups that are really good. And this tool is really designed for for building a small lineup, amount of lineups to, to really give you the feedback you need to know if it's a good lineup or not. 
Is there anything else you want to touch on for this show? Anything uh, you want to mention as we're about to finish this up? 11.56. Well, hit that thumbs up again. We're at 180. 20 more and I don't get fired. <laughs> well, I'd say uh, all the people in chat trolling me about Kenyon Drake, like, screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, like, I'll, I'll talk about Kenyon Drake a little bit. So, like, a lot of times, like, we're, we're breaking down usage and um, opportunity and it's like the snap counts have been there. He's been running a large majority of the, the running plays. Uh, Average so far about 63%, it looks like. Chase Edmonds has only run uh, 12 rushing attempts this year. Kenny and Drake has run 55. So I think like that there's huge workload there. And uh, the passing work's not going to be as good as maybe it was in some previous years, but he's he's getting there on the field during those plays. So, like, I'm always looking for the buy low guys. You can't just pick the, the easy plays in every lineup. And Kenny and Drake and T.Y. Hilton are my bounce back guys in this lineup. I was hoping to see his price come down, and it didn't. And that was kind of a bummer <laughs> to me. 6K last week, 5,900 the week before. 6K again this week. I was hoping him coming off of, you know, an 11 point day, a nine point day. I was hoping to see him come in at like 57. Well, I wasn't really hoping for it because I was already getting enough of him at 6K that it wasn't going to help if it went down to like 56. But I was hoping that uh, the the negative performances would sort of open him up a little bit. No luck. No luck. Yeah, I mean, if, uh, if he had gotten 20 points in the last couple of games, like he wouldn't be contrary. And so it'd be a whole different discussion. Very true. Guys, that is going to do it for us. Alex and I are back in this time slot again next week, 11 a.m. Eastern time, doing some sort of similar version of what we just did. Uh, Free content, NFL ownership. Go check it out. MLB Top Pitchers if you want to get involved there. We've got Matt and Kyle coming up next, talking fantasy football. Start, sit. Final thoughts, Alex. Anything else you want to get out before we're out of here? Oh, just thanks everyone for for supporting the the YouTube and the site. Make sure to click click subscribe bell if uh, button if this is your first stream. And uh, good luck this week. There it is, everybody. Good luck this Sunday. We'll talk to you guys again next week.